With Jesus at Calvary. When you mentioned again the word, Father, forgive them. What came into my mind is this. Do I have any reason not to forgive? And I'm trying to look for a good reason why I shouldn't forgive someone. I've not found any. This is somebody that was dying. And he was praying for the very people who are killing him. Not praying for their judgment. Not praying for their death. You know, I grew up in African traditional society. And one of the moments that I enjoy, not that I like it, but I enjoy, that teaches me a lot, is when you go to funeral. There you see how people pour their hearts sincerely. Of course, we know in Ghana also the fake people who cry. You know, <laughs> you pay there and they come to the funeral and they just cry for you. You know, uh, not that one. Not the fake one. But people who cry really. And there is a moment where, especially, when the time is coming for the dead body to be taken away to be buried. Or even when you come to the grave, then you see people. Sometimes the people are Christians. But you hear them telling the dead body. Let's say the dead person is called Joe. They say Joe. If you go, those who did this to you, don't let them sleep. Attack them. Pay them back. That is humanity. We are ready for revenge. We are ready to pay back. That is why we love to present God in the image of the one that revenged. And retaliate. That is what makes the presentation of God in Jesus what are we? something very different. Peter was ready when Jesus was to be arrested. He took the sword and he struck one ear of the person who was coming to arrest him. And he was ready, he thought Jesus would join him to fight and de defeat the people. He was defeating Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, put your sword back into your pocket. What? He took the ear and he placed it back and the person. What manner of man is this guy? 
Beloved, we can know God whichever way we want to know Him. But if we don't know God the way He revealed Himself in Jesus, then we don't know God at all. Any knowledge of God, and it is a truth, and that is the truth. Any knowledge of God outside Jesus Christ, you can forget it. Hebrew chapter 1 from verse 1 let us see what the scripture is telling us hey today I didn't want to preach I just want to mention things I told you that yesterday I will make sure I don't preach Hebrew 1 from verse 1 to 3 look at this carefully if somebody has it in German, the person should read it first. Shall we be on our feet to honor the word of God? Uh, German first. One, two, three. Hebräer 1, Vers 1 bis 3. Nachdem Gott in vergangenen Zeiten vielfältig und auf vielerlei Weise zu den Kirchen geredet hat, durch die Propheten, hat er in diesen letzten Tagen zu uns geredet durch den Sohn. Ihn hat er eingesetzt zum Erben von allen. Durch ihn hat er die Welten geschaffen. Dieser ist die Ausstrahlung unseres Herrn, unserer Herrlichkeit und der Ausbruch seines Wesens und von aller Dinge durch das Wort seiner Kraft. Er hat sich, nachdem er die Reinigung von unseren Sünden durch sich selbst verbracht hat, zu Recht in der Weise Oh, Halleluja. In the past, listen to the construction of the sentences. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers. He did that. He spoke to them through the prophets. At many times, he sent Moses, he sent Elijah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Amos, Micah, Messenger. He spoke to them through the prophets. And also in various ways, <laughs> different ways, sometimes as a thunder, sometimes as the fire, sometimes in audible voice, sometimes in earthquake, mention whichever way. But in these last days, he has spoken to us through whom? Hallelujah. These last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Now look, listen to the, 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 the verb there, or look at the verb. He has spoken. That means he has spoken. That means he has spoken. The final word has been spoken. And Jesus is the final word of God. So when you miss Jesus, you miss God. He has spoken to us by his son. And this son, he made him the head of all things. And look at this secret. It is through this very son that he created the universe. It is through him 
beginning, God, Genesis chapter 1, created the heavens and the earth. Now we discover that it is through Christ Jesus that the universe was created. That means even without Jesus, the universe would not even exist. And look at what is happening. He sustains everything by his powerful word. Jesus is that force that holds the universe together. That holds the planets together. Because he is the word of God. So even without Jesus, the universe will collapse. Oh, hallelujah. May you be seated. You are sitting down because after he has provided purification, he sat down. That is why I ask you to sit down. <laughs> hallelujah. We are speaking about Jesus. With Jesus at Calvary. I am sure I will not preach. I am very sure. Can you give us the song? Last time, with Brother David, we sang the first verse of this song, Jesus keep me near the cross. There is a precious fountain there. The cross. There, there is a precious fountain. There is a healing stream that is free to everyone. And it is flowing from the Calvary's mouth. Can you give me the second stanza? If I thought it is there. <laughs> Near the cross, there is a trembling soul. A trembling soul was near the cross. But something happened to him. He found life, love, and mercy. Near the cross, where death was reigning, where darkness was ruling, the soul found the brightest morning star, which shares the beams around him. And that is the part two that we are dealing with today. The second word of Jesus on the cross. I will go through it so fast because I don't want to push. <laughs> Amen. 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 Let's read uh, Luke 23, 39 to 43. If you have your pen, be writing down the points. Luke 23, 39 to 43. Luke 23, 39 to 43. Luke 23. Yes. One of the criminals who hung there held insults at him. We are talking about when Jesus was crucified. At the left was a criminal, at the right was a criminal, and he was in the middle. <coughs> the 
This is to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah, Isaiah in Isaiah 53. That he was counted among criminals. Indeed, Jesus was in the middle of these two criminals. And one of them was looking at Jesus and saying, Are you not the Christ? Don't you claim you are the Christ? Save yourself and save us also. You save other people. And now you can't save yourself. But the other criminal look at him. And rebuked him. Rebuked the second criminal. And said, Don't you fear God? This guy does not deserve the same punishment that we deserve. We are punished justly. For we are getting the reward of what we have done. But this guy has done nothing wrong. Look at this conversation. And then he turned to Jesus. Jesus. Remember when you were in your kingdom. And Jesus turned to him and said, I tell you the truth. Not tomorrow. Not next year. Not today this time. Today. Today. You will be with me in paradise. Praise the Lord. The situation here tells us about how to be saved. And it also tells us about the question of actual life. One of the questions that science is struggling with is what happens after death. Is there life after death? And here, Jesus tells us what happens after death. But before I come to that, look at the people that Jesus was associating himself with, even in his death. Criminals. Two of them. And Jesus was in the middle. Being in the middle was a symbol or, of, or a way of saying, you are the greatest of all the criminals. That was a picture. You see, when the, the, the mother of the, the, the sons of Zebedee came to Jesus and said, Let my son, one of them, sit at your left and the other one at your right. It's a way of saying that you, the big guy, you, the king, you are in the middle and let them be your subjects. The same way in this picture, Jesus being in the middle means he is the greatest of all the criminals. So that even Jesus took the place 
of the most violent criminal in the world. That is why he is able to save everyone. No matter what your crime is, he is able to save. He came as the purest of all men. And went down, 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 even to take the title of the greatest of the criminals. And to prove to you that he can save the greatest of the criminals. He made it clear. I told you last Sunday. The first person to enter the kingdom of God. Even before you start talking about Peter and Paul and whatever. Was a criminal. Our Lord is able to save. But something happened to this gentleman. First. He recognized himself as a sinner. That is where salvation begins from. That we identify ourselves as a sinner. He says, what is happening to me, I deserve it. And because he puts himself at the right position as a sinner, he was able to plead for God's mercy. Only those who are able to identify themselves as sinners who plead for his mercy. The two gentlemen went into the temple. The Pharisees too, they say, God, I thank you because I am not as bad as Donaldson. At least for, I'm not that bad. I go to church every Sunday. Oh, I pay my tithe. God, you know me. When Easter is coming, I fast 40 days. <laughs> on Good Friday, I wear black. And on Easter, I wear white. I fast every Friday. And he was praising himself. Another person came in. He saw himself as a sinner. I do not even deserve to lift up my eyes to you. Have mercy on me. Oh, the Bible says the first person who praised himself went home stolts, gratified. But the other, the second person, went home justified. Do you want gratification or you want justification? Oh, we need his justification. So the guy recognized his position and plead for the mercy of God. And the second thing, he recognized the kingship of Jesus. You see, this is a reality. Anyone who believes in him will never be condemned. John 3.16 John 3.16 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him are you a criminal? Are you a prostitute? Are you a thief? Are you a robber? Are you whatever the society will call you? It plays no role here. Are you white? Are you black? It plays no role here. Are you a president? Are you a cleaner? It plays no role here. Are you a man? Are you a woman? It plays no role here. Whosoever believe in him. So that's a criminal. That will die in few minutes. Just because he believed in him. Jesus said today. You are entering the paradise with me. I am talking to you about God. The God that revealed himself in Christ Jesus. You believe Jesus is king. Salvation. Number one. Salvation is by faith only. Ephesians 2, 8 to 9. I hope you are writing. Ephesians 2, 8 to 9. I need to be watching my time now. Pardon? I have 20 minutes again. I have 15 minutes. Thank you. I'll finish it already. <laughs> For it is by grace. Oh, hallelujah. It is by grace that we have been saved. Through faith. And this is not from yourself. But it is from whom? It is the gift of God. It is not by works. It is not what we do. It is by grace. What does it mean? Grace simply means receiving or being given what you do not deserve. Oh, we do not deserve his grace. We do not deserve to be called his children. But out of his mercy, he has made us to become his children. It is by grace that you have been saved. I have problem today with Christians who when they are speaking, they are preaching and they are talking. It makes you feel like, wow, this guy has worked so hard to end their salvation. And when we are talking about unbelievers, we speak as if our salvation is not by grace. We speak as if we were also not where they were. May we never forget that. It is by grace and by grace only. Not by works. But it is the gift of God. What an amazing grace that we who are nobody God called us and he gave us the gift. Number two, 
There is no need for a great knowledge to be saved. Mark 16, verse 15 to 16. Mark 16, 15 to 16. Let's see what the scripture said. Jesus said to them, Go ye into the world and pray the good news to all religions. Whoever believes and is baptized, he is saved. You don't need three years of Bible school or three years of Bible teaching. You don't need any six months of teaching and lectures about baptism. The only thing you need is just to believe and be baptized and you are saved. The criminal did not have any chance to be baptized. You and me, we have the chance to be baptized. The gift of grace is there. But we need to receive the gifts. This is where the relationship comes in. One thing is God will give you the gifts. Receive the salvation. Unfortunately, the book is for me. <laughs> Acts chapter 2, verse 38. As I am speaking right now, if you are here and you've not been baptized, know that you are still receiving the gift of God like this. Don't tell me you don't know much about Jesus. Don't tell me you don't know much about church. I only have one examination question for you. Is here anyone who has not been baptized? Please be on your feet. Please. Um. 
Do you believe that Jesus died for you? Do you believe that he resurrected? Charlene, do you believe it? Do you believe it? Do you believe it? That Jesus died and resurrected for you. Do you believe it? I declare you all qualified. You pass the exam. Now come for your certificates. In May. We are going to baptize people in the name of Jesus. Get ready for it. Decide in your heart and receive this gift. God bless you. Amen. Now I am told I have only four minutes. The point number three is very important for me. With Jesus on the cross. Calvary. Here Jesus touched the home circle. The third word that Jesus spoke on the cross concerned family. Concerned family. Concerned relationships. John 19, 25-27. John 19, 25-27 This took place when Jesus was on the cross <coughs> On the cross, Jesus' mother stood somewhere His mother's sister was there Mary, the wife of Clopas, who was a good friend of Mary was also there. And Mary Magdalene was also there. May God make you all Marys in Jesus' name. When Jesus saw his mother there, and he saw the disciples that he loved so much, John, who was more a brother, a younger brother to Jesus in relationship. This is the guy that when Jesus sits anywhere, he will sit down behind, beside Jesus and put his head on the shoulder of Jesus. It came to a time that Jesus was leaving him. Mary! who gave birth to Jesus. Jesus was going to leave her. A painful break in relationship. Jesus saw Mary, the mother, and saw John, the brother, and Jesus told Mary, that is your son. And Jesus told John, that is your mother. Praise the Lord. Mother, son, these two words deals completely and entirely with our family relationships. Beloved, God put each and every one of us into families. Friends, we choose them. But father, mother, brothers, sisters, uncles, aunties, 
have been given to us by force by God. <laughs> yes. Not by force, by fire. <laughs> this one is just by force. God gave them to us. They can be good. They can be bad. But they are families. And God, in his foreknowledge, puts us into these families. It is true. The family is supposed to be a place of love. A place of care. A place of security. A place of safety. A place where when anybody persuades you, you know when you reach any member of your family, you are safe. But what do we see today? The enemy destroys families. Families have become places where we rather want to run away from. I know people who for some reasons they have to run away from home just to have peace. Just to find love. Father becomes enemy. Sons becomes enemy. Brothers and sisters becomes enemy. That is what the enemy does. He comes to destroy. He comes to kill. He comes to sow division. He comes to separate. But our Lord Jesus, his mission is to undo the works of the enemy. When the enemy destroyed, he is ready to repair. When the enemy scatters, he is ready to put things together. When the enemy brought hatred, he is ready to bring love. That is why Jesus took you out of your family and bring you into the family of God. So that you will learn the love of God in the family of God and take this into your destroyed families and heal your families with the love that we receive from Jesus. That is how it is. I know the hatred. I know the struggles. But I know the solution also. Jesus is the solution. Let us take his life. Let us return home with it. Offer it to our fathers. Offer it to our mothers. Offer it to people who did as harm in the family. And heal the family. Maya is not here. But I will use her as an example. Because she is a living testimony. This is a lady. She gave us a testimony herself. Whose family was destroyed. Separated. She never thought she would know the people, the family of the father. And she came to know Christ. 
And she heard the word of forgiveness. She didn't wait for the people to look for her. She took a paper and started writing letters. She took her O2 and started making calls. Today, as I'm speaking to you, God has brought the family together. God has healed every trauma that the enemy brought into the family. And they are living happily. We are witnesses of the love of Christ. I don't know what your family looks like. I don't know what is going on here. But I can guarantee you. Jesus paid the price for restoration of families on the cross. Take the price. Use it and heal your families. Faith, how many minutes do I have? Oh, would you really do that to me? The family is sacred. The family is sacred. The family is sacred. The family is sacred. We don't temper with family. The family is sacred. That is why in Ephesians, in Colossians, in, in First Peter, Paul always tried to bring order in the family. Wives, submit yourself to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Children, obey your parents in the law. Parents, do not make your children angry. You know, to bring unity, harmony. Because if our families are not in harmony, either we like it or not, it affects our lives. Tell me if it is not true. It is true. When your family is destroyed, your life is torn. We can come to church. We can praise God. We can say, oh, brother, hallelujah, sister, hallelujah. We are the family of God, yes. But when you got back home, when you turn around and your younger brother is nowhere to call, when you can't even just go to your mom and say, Mama, will you cook fufu for us today? When you can't just go to dad and say, Dad, what's up? Can we watch some TV together? Then you know something has happened to you. Wenn du hierher kommst und du sagst zu jedem Hallo Bruder, Hallo Schwester, aber du gehst nach Hause und kannst nicht frei zu deinem Vater gehen, zu deiner Mutter oder zu deinem kleinen Bruder, dann weißt du, dass irgendwas falsch ist. The deception of Europe Die Täuschung is to Europa teach us how individualistic we should be. Will uns beibringen, wie and how self-sufficient we are. But Europe is not wiser than God who puts us into families. Therefore, I am giving you two things to do. If you know your family is not functioning, the solution is at the cross. This love that Jesus demonstrated there, that he could even pray for the forgiveness of those who hurt him. Those killing him. You have, we have no excuse why we should not forgive our fathers. 
Why we should not forgive our mothers? What they did to us? Is it more than what they did to Jesus? I don't think so. Jesus will give us the power to forgive. We only need to receive this love. Number two, let us do what Jesus did. He prayed for the people. He interceded for the people. Become the intercessor of your family. The problem in the family be the one that will wake up in the night and present the case to God. Be the one that when you are going on your knees, you say, God, I pray for mama, I pray for papa, I pray for my brother, I pray for my aunties in Africa, in Togo, in wherever. Be the one that mentions everyone unto the Lord. Sei derjenige, der aufsteht, auf seine Knie geht und sagt, Gott, ich bete für jeden einzelnen Familie, egal wo das ist und was er tut. Be that one. Sei derjenige. Jesus on the cross. Jesus am Kreuz. In the greatest sorrow. Im größten Schmerz. Mary. Sagte Maria. Was not alone. Um, war an Maria nicht allein. The mother of Jesus was not alone. Die Mutter von Jesus war nicht Mary allein. Magdala was there. Maria Magdalena war da. Other friends were there. Andere Freunde waren auch da. Beloved. Meine Geliebten. I know something here. Most of the time, when we are in sorrow, that is the time that we shut everything. We withdraw ourselves and we want no contact. That is not what we learned at the cross. At the cross, we saw Mary in sorrow. But who was open to receive friends to stand with her even in her trouble. The enemy knows when you shut yourself in your problem, in your sorrow, you feel the pain the more. It destroys you with it the more. If that is your character, please today, let us learn from the cross. That when we are in problem, we should be open to brothers and sisters in the Lord to comfort us with the love of God. Or just to be there for it. Do not shut yourself. Be open for help. What's number four? Jesus says, Father, why have you forsaken me? Matthew 27, 45 to... Uh, no. Did I say Father? No. He said God. From the beginning, he said, Father, forgive them. It came to a time that the relationship has reduced. Jesus couldn't call God at this time Father. Jesus called God in this moment not Father. They called him God. Why? Because he felt he was so far away from him. He felt the God forsakenness. How many times in your life don't you feel like God has forsaken you? Jesus experienced that. He knows how it feels to feel forsaken 
bei Gott. I woke up the other time and God put it on my heart to send a verse to someone. And I sent a message to the person. The word was Can a mother forsake her child that she is breastfeeding? And she says, and, and the scriptures say, even if a mother would forsake, would forget, <coughs> I, the Lord, would not forget you. <laughs> Later, I received a message from the person. The person said, Pastor, God bless you. This is a message for me. Because this week I told God you are forsaken me. You say you never forsake us. You know what? I know a lot of preachers who preach and say, yes, indeed, God has forsaken Jesus because he carried our sin and God turned his back and God has not seen and, you know, a lot of theories. I understand it differently. Jesus was God, yes. Jesus was God, yes. Because he was human being as well. And in his humanity, he experienced God forsakenness. But God says, He, God, does never forsake his anointed one. At that very particular time, Jesus first forsaken. But on the third day, we will understand that God has never forsaken you. In your lowest experience in life, even when it makes you feel that God has forsaken you, I have one word for you. Jesus experienced the same. God does not forsake anyone. Five. Jesus was thirsty. John 19, 28. He said, I am thirsty. Jesus in this humanity experienced all the things that we go through. Testing. This is not spiritual test. It's a, it's a, spirit, it's, it's a physical test. One day when I came to this country, I was working in Berlin. Uh, and then I was coming to Hamburg to stay. On, on, on Wednesdays, there is this, uh, uh, you know, I was sharing newspapers. There is this uh, newspaper that is called uh, Bochenblatt on Wannemann. And it was free for everyone. So Wednesday was a day that I will share it to all the buildings, you know, very big place, because the more you do, the more money you make. <laughs> I woke up that day, it was summer, I woke up that day and I was running away. I didn't take my purse, you know, I was running to take the, the train, I didn't take my purse. Vacantenate, I didn't take anything. And when I went, I was working the whole day. The sun began to scorch. 
Damit die Sonne hat so stark geschienen. And I became so thirsty. Und ich wurde so durstig. Very, very thirsty. Wirklich durstig. Now, the area is a residential area. A very posh area. Where, you know, this place is where, you know, in the daytime there is no one. Everybody has gone to work. And in the night, in the evening, everybody comes back. I was so thirsty, and there was nobody anywhere that I could just ask, please give me water to drink. There is no kiosk anywhere. My throat was drying. I was feeling dry. And then I said, God, I remember Hagar. Pray for you that Ishmael is dying. Give us water, and he provided water. Therefore, give me something to drink. Immediately, I turned into the next corner. I saw an old man wearing a, a, a white shirt. White, I could, I could describe it very well. White house shoe. White t-shirt. Pure white. And the guy just called me and said, come, come, come. And then the guy was showing me a glass. I look at the glass and it was red. So when he said, come, come, come. I said, no, 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 sorry. Thank you. Because I am born into a pure Classical conservative Pentecostal church. Throughout my life, I have never touched wine, except during communion. So I saw this guy who was presenting a glass of wine to me. At least it was red, so I could judge it was wine. <laughs> I said, no, 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 thank you. And the guy was forcing, come, come, come. And then I heard something in my spirit which said, Didn't you pray for something to drink? <laughs> I prayed for something to drink. God is giving me something because though I prayed for something, I thought only water can quench my thirst. So what God was bringing, I was rejecting. How many times don't we pray and God gives us the solution, but because we focus on something else, we said no to the solution. When the voice spoke to me, I said, yes, God, I pray like that. And I went to the guy. And the guy offered me a glass of wine. At that time, to be very frank with you, I cannot differentiate if it was alcoholic or non-alcoholic. <laughs> but what I can tell you is, when I drank that thing, in my life till today, I have never drunk anything so refreshing, <laughs> so 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 test quenching like that. And I took a second glass. <laughs> I could have asked for the third one, but I played the gentle. <laughs> but let's look at the most interesting part of the story. I look at the house. <coughs> I saw the house. 
number. Number 24. So my mind is the next Wednesday. When I am waiting there, I'll just click and tell this guy, thank you so much. The next Wednesday I came. And I begin to look for this house. The street. What have I even realized? The 24 was at a side among the old numbers. I know very well the way I've been working there all the time. And I've never realized that that number 24 was on the wrong side. Till I left Berlin, I look for the house number 24. I never see that house till today. Until I left. I was thirsty. Jesus experienced what it means to be thirsty. Therefore, he provided us, me, with heavenly drink. Jesus knows your thirst. He knows your hunger. He knows all your needs. It must not be physical thirst. Every need that you have, Jesus sees it as a thirst. Therefore, he will quench you. He will provide you with a solution. Let me finish very much, very fast with number six. Jesus screamed and said, It is finished. John 19, 28 to 30. It is accomplished. A sight of relief. A sight of relief. He has accomplished his mission. The mission of salvation has been accomplished. That is the reason why none of us need to offer anything anymore. Anybody who tries to offer something for his salvation, to do any other sacrifice for his salvation, is indirectly saying it is not finished. But Jesus says it is finished. It is a shock of victory. The work of atonement, the price has been paid to the fullest. And finally, Luke 23, 46. Wow, I love this. Jesus screamed again. And he says, listen very well. Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Oh, the relationship changed again. Between the minute that he said, God, you have forsaken me. God proved to him that I didn't forsake you. And even in that situation, the relationship was restored. That Jesus can again call God the next minute, Father. I say into your hands, I commit my spirit. This helped me to understand what Paul says. None of us live for himself alone. And none of us die for himself. For whether we live, 
Or we die, we still remain the Lord. Jesus understood that. And he trusts God in a moment like that. He says, I am dying. But Father, I know in your hands my spirit is safe. I know in your hands my dying spirit will experience resurrection. I give it to you. Brothers and sisters, let our souls, our body, and our spirits be in the hands of God. Holy Spirit, I will say. May God bless you.